Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. This morning, just for a few minutes, we're going to get into the very counsels of God, into the mind of God, even before he created. Because the scriptures give us quite a bit of information including this opening of John's Gospel, about God prior to creation. Because he is eternal, lives in eternity, outside of time, he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, He knows what was, what is, and what is to come. So he can tell us what is going to happen uh, at the end of time as we know it in this age, as we read the book of Revelation and the closing chapters in particular. But what was in the mind of God when he chose to create. He had spoken creation into being and the universe is still expanding because that word has never been revoked. So the the power, that creative power of the word of God is still being outworked and the universe is creation as we know it is expanding at a phenomenal rate that's the power of God's word now we know that he created through Jesus Jesus was the word that went forth from his mouth and of all the planets and and uh, galaxies and so on. God decided to do something special with this world. Why he should have chosen to do that, the scripture doesn't tell us. But it does tell us what he intended As the pinnacle of his creation, he wanted to create a being that would live in the natural world, but would reflect his own nature and character. Now, before he created the physical universe, he had already created a whole spiritual universe. The spiritual preceded the natural. 
So God in heaven was worshipped by all the spiritual beings that he created in heaven. Of course, at first, there weren't all the saints that we read about in the book of Revelation, but God was worshipped by those that he created spiritually. Among them was, of course, Lucifer, whose role, as we understand from Scripture, was to lead the worship in heaven. And God knew that the time would be right to bring man into being. Adam simply means man. So he brought mankind into being. It wasn't that he needed fellowship with someone, as some people suggest, because he already would have had fellowship in the spirit, in the spiritual realm, with all that he had created there. But he wanted a man, a creation with free will, who would decide and determine to respond to his love. God was by nature love and by nature holy. So he wanted to create a holy being who loved him. And as we know from scripture, love for God is expressed in obedience to God. So it was necessary when he created man to give him a series of commands as to what he was to do and the power and authority that he had over the rest of creation. And as we know, there was just one thing he was not to do, and that was to eat out of the tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, God, of course, in his foreknowledge, knew that Adam would fall. In, even before he created Adam, he could see that he created him with this free will, this ability to love, to choose to love, but he knew that he would disobey the command that he gave. He knew also that out of pride, Lucifer would rebel against him in heaven and actually lead a rebellion against him in heaven and that Lucifer and those who followed him in his rebellion and disobedience would be cast out of heaven. God knew also that he would have to do something with this Lucifer, so he was to give him leave to go to and fro over the faiths of the earth to test the hearts of those that he had created to see whether they really would love God in the way that he loved the human race that he was bringing into being. So in his foreknowledge, God could see all this happening 
even before he spoke the word to bring mankind into being. He could see, therefore, that he would need, out of all of sinful humanity, to choose a people for himself, a people who would reflect his nature of holiness, a people who would love him with all their hearts, mind, soul, and strength. He chose, as we know, the nation of Israel. But as we know, and as God would know in his foreknowledge, even though they were the chosen people set apart to be holy, and he gave them this command, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy, and even though he demonstrated such love for them in the way he provided for them, still they rebelled continually against him. The rebellion that had happened in heaven under Lucifer was being repeated on earth in the whole of mankind, but even in the people that were set apart for him, for God. Now you would think that that would be quite discouraging for God to create this holy, these holy beings in heaven. One of them leads a rebellion against him. To create mankind in his image and the whole of mankind sins and falls from the grace that he intended them to live by. That all of them chose disobedience rather than obedience. They chose sin Rather than righteousness, they chose unholiness instead of holiness. You would think that would be quite depressing for God. But of course, in his foreknowledge, he had everything in hand, everything planned. Nothing was going to get out of control of his ultimate control. And so he knew that it didn't matter that he gave this special nation, all the privileges and all the blessings that were available, still they would not fulfill his purpose of living at one with him in his holiness and in his love. So he knew the time would have to come when this word that he had spoken to bring all creation into being, would have to become man himself. Now the reason why I'm going through all these things that you know only too well is because I think only by doing so can we really understand the nature of God's love. How through everything that had happened in heaven and on earth through all the millennia of disobedience, even among his chosen people, still he persisted in love. Still nothing would deter him from his ultimate purpose. And so he loved the world and express that love by sending his son to be the savior. His name would be Jesus, savior. 
he would be the Christ, the anointed one of God. So, of course, Jesus' first task was to do what no one had done previously, and that was to live a perfect response to the love of the Father. And this is what we see, of course, in the Gospels, and preeminently in John's Gospel, which tells us so much about the relationship between Jesus and the Father, and how that whole relationship was really based on love. And what we see is that Jesus lived the holy life that God had wanted for his people Israel and for his whole creation because of his love, because of his love for the Father. And it was necessary for Jesus to show the nature of that love in humanity, how a human being could live in love at one with God in the way that he intended. And so Jesus came as the servant first, not as the king that the Jewish people were anticipating. He is the king, but he came as a servant. And as we know, he will come again as king. And so he served the people in love. He showed that the love of God, the nature of this love that God has, is to give and to give and to give and to give. It's not like human love that can be very selfish and self-motivating, self-fulfilling, but it's a love that has at its heart the well-being and the welfare of the objects of that love. And so Jesus epitomized that perfectly. He lived in that perfect love for the Father. He expressed love perfectly for all those around him. He even did so with his enemies, even to the extent of praying for those who were nailing him to the cross. Everything that flowed out of his heart flowed from love. Everything he did was holy. And so as we think of God planning all this before creation came into being, he had determined that through his son, there would always be a faithful remnant of people who believed in him and who expressed this love and this holiness. He knew that that would be a small proportion of the whole of the people that were created. And he knew that even within those who confessed faith in him in some way, there would still only be a relatively small number who would form that faithful remnant that really desired to be like him in holiness and in love. And he ensured he could see, of course, 
all the centuries of the history of the church and how far the church got away from the whole purposes of God at certain times, how ungodly it became, how the spirit of the world was allowed to infiltrate the church as indeed it happens in some places even in our time. He could see all that, yet at the same time, he always maintained that faithful remnant. And he knew that the time would come when he would gather that faithful remnant to himself. That when he returned, he would bring those who previously had been faithful and he would gather up with them those who at the time of his coming would be the faithful here on earth. And in his plan, these faithful, the faithful remnant of the past and those who were living in that faithfulness when he came again, when he comes again, they would rule and reign with him in all eternity in the new heaven and the new earth that would then come into being. All this is planned. And he knows that it's all going to work out exactly as he planned. He knew also, of course, that there would be others that would not really be among that faithful remnant, but they would have received the gift of his saving grace in, in some way or another, and therefore would be part of this new creation that he was going to bring into being, although they would not be in that privileged position of the faithful who would be ruling and reigning with him. And so he sees from heaven all of this unfolding. He sees where we are at present in this unfolding purpose of God, he and he alone knows the time when Jesus will come again. But he knows that everything that he has said and everything that he has promised that will take place before he comes again will surely take place. Because when God speaks a promise, he does not speak of what could happen or might happen, but of what definitely will happen. He speaks his will into being, even through the promises that he gives. The faithful remnant, of course, are those who believe those promises and live to see those promises fulfilled in their lives. And God sees that the difference between this faithful remnant and, if you like, the, the general mass of believers is the quality of their love for God. That love that leads to obedience in their lives, that love that has created in their hearts a desire to be holy as God is holy. And therefore to understand that part of that call 
has to be to deny themselves, to deny the flesh, to deny what they would want to do with their lives because they are so totally sold out for him and his purpose and desire, therefore, above all else to reflect that holy life of perfect love. Of course, in his foreknowledge, he sees that in and of themselves, they remain weak. That still they are vulnerable, still they are under attack from the powers of darkness, especially from the devil who has this power to go, this authority he's been given to go to and fro over the face of the earth to test the hearts of all these people, including that faithful remnant. He sees their weakness and he knows that the only way in which he can have the people that he's always desired to have is by his own son living in them by the power of his Holy Spirit. So he sees that the key element in the lives of of those who form this faithful remnant is the fact that they depend wholeheartedly upon the life and empowering, upon the anointing of the Holy One in whom they live and who lives in them. These are a people who live in Christ and in whom Christ lives. And he sees that the power of his blood, together with that anointing of the Spirit, keeps that faithful remnant in the place of holiness, of blamelessness, of perfection before him, despite their weakness, despite their tendency to fail, because they are a people who live wholeheartedly by trust in him. So, he knows that for all the the travel, in a sense, that he has had to pass through with his creation, he will have for himself that holy people who will have prevailed on the earth because they live in the victory of his son who prevailed. And they will live and reign with him in glory for all eternity. The amazing thing about God's love is his perseverance, that he never gave up through all the process that has brought us to this point. And he never gives up on those who form that faithful remnant who are going to fulfill his will here on earth, who will see his kingdom come and his will being done on earth as in heaven. His love for all His creation is genuine. His love for all the saved is special. 
his love for those that live in this redeeming love, this faithful remnant, is particular because of the closeness with which they live with him. Their desire is like the desire of Jesus when he was on earth to live at one with the Father, to be able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he wants this faithful people to be able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. You've seen not the perfection of Jesus, but something of Jesus that is revealed in these faithful people. He sees that this is a people of peace, a people of joy, a people of faith, people of love, a people of holiness, a people that reflect his mercy, his grace, his compassion. He sees them as a people who persevere in his purposes. And he lives to encourage them because he sees that this faithful remnant is so aware of the holiness of God that they live in constant awareness of their own ungodliness by comparison. That although they are committed to live in godliness, they do not think of themselves as a godly people because they have such a revelation and vision of who God is and they can see by comparison that although they are accepted by him, although they live in that blameless love, although they are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, yet still in their weakness and fragility, they are not like him in the perfect way that he desires in the outworking of their life. But they are being transformed, transfigured into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. So he sees the hearts of this faithful remnant as being like the heart of Jesus, humble and gentle, remaining in that place of humility before God, And as we celebrate this Christmas season, this is what we see about the purpose of God and how he worked out this purpose that Jesus came not as the mighty king but in the weakness of our humanity as a baby who needed to be cared for and brought up by Mary and Joseph. He came humbly and was even born in the most humble of circumstances. Marking 
him as something unusual. People from distant nations came to worship him. Shepherds received visitation of angels to come and worship him. All that is prophetic. But you see the humility of Jesus in his birth and in everything that subsequently happened in his life. You see how this love for God and the holiness in which he lived is lived out in humility. We would say in brokenness, in complete submission to the will and the love of his Father. And God sees in this faithful remnant that it doesn't matter how close they are to him, how much of God is reflected in their lives, how greatly God uses some of them or works through their lives. What actually happens is as they increase in love and as they increase in holiness, so they increase in humility. And they live by the fear of the Lord in awe of who he is. They have no desire for place or position because they've already been given a position that could never be bettered in Christ Jesus. And they are there solely and completely through his mercy and through his grace. I know some Christians don't like to celebrate Christmas. Well, I love Christmas. I love to celebrate Christmas. And it doesn't matter what the world does to Christmas. It can't take Jesus out of Christmas for us. But for me, it's always a time to expect God to do something fresh in my heart and life. I want more of that love, more of that holiness, more of that humility and of that gentleness that we see in Jesus. And the purpose of God and the promises of God are that when that is the case, God will bless us, God will prosper us because we are fulfilling his will and his purpose. And just to finish, you know, so often we want God to move in our lives, to provide for us in different ways, and we hold before him his promises and his word and say, hey, Lord, what about it? I need this provision. I need this healing. I need this direction. Whatever it may be, I need this wisdom. And yet at the same time, 
in response to that, God holds up before us his son. And he says, well, all that you are asking and praying for is in him. So the more devoted you are to him, the more you will see the outworking of all that you pray for, of all the provision for every need that you have. Faith is in him. And we can only believe his promises if we believe him. And that's why when Jesus taught the disciples to pray the prayer of faith in Matthew 11, verse 22, the first thing he says is, have faith in God. And what does that mean? Well, Yes, have faith in who God is. But it's remembering all that we've just spoken about in these last few minutes. How we are part of this amazing plan and purpose. This what I call the drama of salvation that God is working out in his creation. And how blessed and how privileged we are to be part of that purpose. And how thankful to the Lord that despite all our weakness and frailty, he works within us by his spirit to bring forth the faithfulness that he wants to see in our lives so that we can be numbered among that faithful remnant who will rule and reign with him in majesty, in glory, forever. So let's all stand and just thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for his plan, for his purpose, Thank him that before the creation of the world, he chose you personally to be part of that faithful remnant that would pass on to the next generation until Jesus comes again. All the wisdom and the truth of his godly purposes. So let's praise him and thank him. Lord, we want to see ourselves in the light of your purposes. We thank you, Lord, that we are part of something that is so immensely greater than ourselves part of your divine plan for the whole of creation, that the whole of creation is in travail, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. And Lord, I, I, I believe that what your word really indicates is that Jesus will come again when there is that faithful people that are ready to welcome him 
Hallelujah. And to be one with him for all eternity in his sovereign, majestic rule and reign. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise you, Lord. And we long, we long to be part of that, Lord. To be faithful in the outworking of your will in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that the closer we draw to you, the more of your love we know, the more of your holiness impacts our lives. And Lord, the humbler we become, the more dependent upon you we become, the less likely we are to trust in ourselves and the more likely to trust in you. So we praise you, Lord. We bless you. And Lord, it humbles us to understand that, that a great multitude of people can be blessed through those who remain faithful to you. And Lord, we want to be a blessing. We want to bless you. We want to be a blessing to others. We want to fulfill the destiny to which you've called us. And we praise you. We bless you. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pura tabaria ledubapara sandaria lenoma sundama. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Kura tabaria ledubapara sandaria lenoma. Santo Papacataria, Leto Papaparia, Leno Masunturi Santoma, Bambaria, Leto Papacala Sandaria, Lenoma, O Papapara Sandaria, Leto Papacala Citadi Santoma, Papapara Sandaria, Leto Papacala Citadi Santoma. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you say that the greatest in the kingdom are those who know they're the least in themselves. Hallelujah those that lose themselves for your sake, those who are ready to lose their souls for the sake of your kingdom. And we praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. And Lord, as we think of the child Jesus being born in Bethlehem, we thank you for the new birth that you gave us. We thank you that only as we, we could only come into your kingdom as little children. Hallelujah. And thank you, Lord that although we grow and become more mature in the things of the Spirit, at the same time we become more holy, more loving, and more humble in the outworking of your life. And we thank you, Lord, that you are our holiness, you are our love, that your Spirit creates within us that humility which enables us to live in dependence upon you and not in dependence upon ourselves not seeking anything for ourselves, but only seeking to know that we're faithful to you in fulfilling the outworking of your plan and your purpose for our lives. And we bless you, Lord. We thank you that you have opened our eyes. You've, 
you've drawn us into the inner council of heaven to understand these things, to, to be able to know these things and to live accordingly. And we thank you, Jesus. We praise your holy name. Thank you for that spirit of wisdom. Thank you for the spirit of understanding that we can understand your will and understand something of your ways and we can trust you to outwork in us, Lord, everything that you have planned and purposed for us as your faithful children. Glory to your holy name. And I thank you, Lord, for that precious blood that covers my unfaithfulness, my sin, my weakness, my failure. I thank you, Lord, that it's only because of that blood that I can stand before you day by day, made holy, made righteous, made totally acceptable in your sight, made perfect forever. But of myself, nothing. Of you, everything. And I thank you, Jesus. I praise you. I bless your holy name. Pura taparia letu papapara sandaria lenoma. Santo papacoria letu papapara sandarima. O mama bara sandoria letu papapara sandoma. Pura taparia letu papapacala sitri sandaria lenoma sandoma. Basta calaria letu papapacala sandaria letu papapacala sinoma. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Bless your holy name. Praise you, praise you, praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Kora la basandaria leto papapara sanduma. Basta kalaria leto papapakala sinama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sitiri sanduma. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Popapara sandaria lenoma sunduri sandarama sinama. Bolandaria leto papapakarasitri sandaria leno masunta. O papaparia leto papapakarasitri sandaria leno. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name, praise your holy name. Koralaba sandaria leto papaparasandaria leno masuntama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that before even creation began, you planned for us to be here as part of your purpose. And we just give you all the glory. It's so amazing, Lord, that everything is going according to your plan. And, and your plan even takes into account our weaknesses and our failures. And, and, and still, Lord, you persist with us and still you lead us forward in your will, in your way. And still you will work out your purpose in us for the praise and honor and glory of your name. And we thank you, Lord, that it's not us, but it's Christ in us. And we bless your holy name. We praise your holy name. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pura taparia leto papapara sandaria lenoma suntama. Bosta calaria leto papapacala sitri sandama. O papapara sandaria leto papapacala sitri sandama. 
Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Lord. So Lord, we pray that over this Christmas time, when many unsaved people will come into acts of worship, that your word will go forth and will touch hearts, that, Lord, people will come under that conviction of sin, but only as a response to understanding this great and wonderful love that you have displayed in sending your Son to be the Savior of the world. We pray, Lord, that in all our congregations of kingdom faith that we will see people saved over this Christmas period, that we will see people coming out of darkness into your light because you came as the light of man. Hallelujah, the light of life. And we give you all the glory, Jesus. We pray for rich anointing to be upon all those who preach your word uh, at this season, especially, Lord, those that speak evangelistically into situations where there are people that are unsaved. We pray, Lord, for the witness of believers that they won't just get caught up in all the worldliness of a worldly Christmas, but they will stand out strong in their faith and in their witness as to what Christmas is really all about. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. And we thank you not only for those who will come through into new life, into your glory during this time, but also for all the seeds that will be sown in the lives of others that will be watered in the coming months, that there will continue to be a mighty move of your spirit to bring more and more people out of darkness into your light. And we give you the glory, Lord. We give you the honor and the praise. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray for all the students, wherever they are now, dispersed all over the place, that they will be witnesses in their various churches over this weekend, that they will touch the lives of other people with your truth, with your love, that people will see not pride but humility and brokenness and surrender to you and dependence upon you in their lives. And we pray for all of us, Lord, as the team here, as the staff, as we spend this Christmas time with our families and with relatives and friends, that we too will just know that perseverance of faith in our lives and that we will remain humble, not proud before others, not arrogant because of what we know, not judging others for their worldliness, but we will really be witnesses of your love and of your holiness. And we pray, Lord, that we will take your presence into our family gatherings. So we bless your holy name. We thank you, Jesus. And thank you that as we come together again in the new year, so, Lord, we're... <clears throat> going to move ahead in those plans and purposes that you worked out even before creation began. Thank you that those three weeks of prayer and fasting were part of your plan. And thank you for all that you have planned to do in and among us during that season. And Lord, I just pray that we will come back with 
that excitement of expectancy, of really moving ahead in your purposes. And that as a result, Lord, next year will be full of your love, of your holiness, and of your humility. In the precious name of Jesus. Come on, let's all just thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.